Our scripture this evening comes to us from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Now the snake was the most intelligent of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the snake, We may eat the fruit of the garden's trees, but not the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, Don't eat from it, and don't touch it, or you'll die. The snake said to the woman, You won't die. God knows that on the day you eat from it, you'll see clearly, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious food and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then they both saw clearly and knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. During that day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God in the middle of the garden's trees. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And the man replied, I heard your sound in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for these words. God, thank you for a day set aside to contemplate our own brokenness and our frailty. God, I pray whatever words and wisdom we would hear this evening would be from you and not from me. Amen. So I have my, my notes on my phone. I'm not texting during my sermon, okay? I, I promise I just, I had to write this uh, this evening and I, I forgot to print it, so. So we've spent centuries talking about this text, right? And we spent centuries talking about it in certain ways. And those ways are that this is sort of the, um, the great tragedy of humankind, right? That, that human beings, if, if only our spiritual ancestors hadn't eaten that fruit, if only Eve hadn't made that mistake, if only Adam, Adam hadn't you know, gone along with it, things would be better, right? We've, we've read it this way, and we've seen it as this, this great tragedy. And actually, I think we could read it a little bit differently. You know, I think it's, it's more about kind of waking up to a new reality. I heard someone say one time, and, and maybe you've heard this, I heard someone say, you know, Satan might have saved us from a rather dull existence, right? <laughs> Running around a garden and just eating fruit and sleeping all day. That, is that all we could aspire to? Is that really all that humankind was made to do, or was there more out there? In any case, Adam eats the fruit and he looks at himself and he looks at his wife and he thinks, oh my God, I'm, <laughs> I'm naked. 
and he's, he's never had that thought before. He suddenly realizes he becomes self-conscious in a way, right? He's aware of himself in a way that he never has been. And the first thing that he does and that she does when God comes is that they hide. They want to get away. They feel vulnerable and naked. I heard someone say one time, I think it was a comedian, I couldn't find the quote, and you've probably heard this before, but that actually the, the biggest fear that people have in life and in the world is not death. Death is number two. Do you know what number one is? It's public speaking. <laughs> right? And I, I think what the comedian said was that something like, you know, you all would rather die than do what I'm doing right here, right now, right? I don't know how true that is. I certainly would rather do this right here than to pass away, trust me. But we do, we have these fears, right? And I, and I think that story made me really think of like, well, what, what is it about public speaking that's so terrifying for people, right? What is it about doing what, I, I mean, I do this every week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times if you, you know, count the different places that I have to speak in the different groups. It's, what is it about it? Well, part of it, I think, is that we feel vulnerable, right? We're kind of naked up here. <laughs> I'm saying words, and you know I'm, I'm not looking at my notes, and so something might come out sideways or not the right way that I would word it, and you, you could judge me for that. You could critique me. And our tendency when we feel that vulnerability, when we feel that nakedness in ourselves, our tendency is to sort of turn inward, Right? to hide, to say, nah, I think I'd rather just stay in the pews for this one. I don't, I don't want to come up here. We do like Adam did. We do like Eve did. We want to hide ourselves. But it's not just with public speaking that we do that, right? We do this in other ways. We hide from things in our life all the time. And we have certain vices, we have certain addictions, we have certain habits that we get into the rhythm of to keep us from reality. We actually don't want to deal with ourselves, and so sometimes we eat, sometimes we drink, sometimes we fill our schedules up so we're so busy that we don't have time to think about anything else or to be alone in the quiet. Sometimes my wife gets on to me on about this sometimes. I'm always listening to like a podcast. I'm always learning, and I have to be very intentional about taking time to just put that aside. We spend time with friends, we talk on the phone, whatever it is, we have our ways of hiding ourselves because it's hard to be alone. I've taught a few meditation courses uh, in, during my pastoral time and, and I find that people are really, really uncomfortable with silence especially like right away, like five minutes, you do five minutes of silence with someone and you get done, you say, how long do you think that was? And they're like, that was like an hour, right? <laughs> You're like, no, <laughs> that was five minutes. We're uncomfortable. We want to hide and we will find any way to do that. Even though we've read this passage in a way over time that has this as a great human tragedy, 
if you continue to read the text, if you read the whole chapter, you'll actually find that God's really not that upset about this. And, and I've heard theologians talk about this in terms of it being a comedy almost. You know, God doesn't go on. God comes down and God does level some curses, okay? I don't want to ignore that. But after the curses are done and, you know, the, the snake is cursed and then the woman's cursed and then Adam is cursed, after all of that is passed, do you see what, what God does? He, he actually <laughs> turns to them and he says, look, you did a really bad job making your own garments. Your fig leaves, they're just, they're not going to cut it for where you're going. So here, have a loincloth, as my wife likes to say. God stops and makes these animal skins for Adam and Eve. And says, yeah, you, you need to cover yourself. You get, I get that you're vulnerable, but I'm not that upset. Here, have a gift. I'm still on your side. I'm still with you. Yes, I have a curse for you, but also I have a blessing too. And I think for so long we've read this, especially in the church we read it and we curse ourselves and we only read the curse, but actually the blessing is there too. I heard a great theologian say one time, you know, if you start reading the Bible in Genesis 3, you're going to get a very specific picture of the rest of Scripture. But he went on to say that if you start in Genesis chapter 1 where humanity is the crowning achievement of all creation, and in fact, the woman comes last on that, right? That the woman is actually the crowning achievement in all of creation. If you start there with God saying, I made you and you are good. If you start there, you're going to read the rest of the Bible very, very differently. But we don't always do that. We don't want to always see the blessing or the gift because we're, we're really good at critiquing, really good at tearing down. I do a lot of creative writing and with creative writing or any really creative endeavor, you have to be critiqued by your peers. And so often in these circles of peers, it's so easy just to say, well, that didn't work and I didn't like that and I don't like that you do this or this and it's much harder to be creative and to build up, to call out gifts, to call out blessings, right? And I think some of that has to do with the way we've read this passage for so long, with the way we've viewed ourselves for so long, because we see our nakedness, we see our vulnerabilities, and we don't like that. We can't see what God sees, and we can't call it good. During this season of Lent, I would encourage you to, yes, think about the ways that you're broken. But I actually think we do that better <laughs> than we give ourselves credit for. I would encourage you to look for the good things that are there. And especially if you've chosen to give anything up, and I don't know if you have, if you've chosen to give those things up, whatever you're doing to replace that time Find some time to think about what's good about me. What are the gifts that God has given me? How can I be aware of my nakedness and vulnerability, but then also see how God has blessed me? I think it's much harder for us to do that. 
And I think it's because we're so, so self-conscious. Have you all ever heard of, um, there's this idea, and this was true in churches I was growing up in, and I don't think we talk about it as Presbyterians, but the idea of the age of accountability. Have you heard of this? For those of you that haven't, the age of accountability is, is something like um, in churches that believe, you know, uh, in heaven and hell, which is a lot of churches, that after a certain age, if, if a child were to die without being baptized or praying a certain prayer, before a certain age, they would automatically go to heaven, but after a certain age, this age of accountability, they would actually go to hell. Because at that point, they're sort of culpable, they're guilty, they're so aware of themselves that if they don't make a response to God, it's, it's not gonna be good for them, right? I really don't like that idea because it means that once you become self-conscious of yourself, right, once you wake up to who you really are and what your potential is, it means you only see evil. It means that there's only brokenness. But I think that many of us know that once you sort of get in touch and you are real with yourself and you understand who you are, you will see bad things. You'll see the curses. You'll see the, the dark sides of yourself, right? But on the other hand, you'll also see the blessings. You can see the goodness. And so as we contemplate our death during this season, as we contemplate mortality, I would encourage you to look for the blessings because that's in here too. And after God finished creating us, God said, this is good. This is good. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, for this time together. And God, thank you for the blessings that you have given us and thank you for calling us good despite our capability of ignoring your commands, despite our ability to go the other way. God, we thank you for your blessing and your gift and the love that you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.